Hey everyone, welcome to the Single Player Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian Malden, and in this episode, we're going to be doing a deepest discussion, conversation about a very special game that's getting this, that's like, sequel is right around the corner, and that's Jedi Fallen Order. Some, a lot of you have probably played this game, but for the people who haven't played this game, we're going to pitch you on it. We're going to tell you why you should still play this game in 2023. Who's it for? Who's it not for? What we like about it? What it hasn't aged? The whole shebang. But before we get into all that, I have a very special guest with me today. You probably recognize his voice as soon as he's going to talk because he's been on the show several different times. He's part of the Pro Nerd fam, part of the Single Player Experience fam as well. So my guest today is... An amazing writer. He is an amazing podcaster, and he's just a dope overall individual. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the one, the only, Alejandro Segovia. Alejandro, how you doing today? How you doing, Sebastian? Nice to be back. Third time now. Yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. You know, yeah. we we almost got to make this a tradition, just a once a month sort of thing at this point. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind, like, especially because you get to be like the host and yeah. I, I get to just chill because and flipped around and the other times you've guessed, I'm the one that's kind of like emceeing the, the show. So I kind of like just being able to sit back and be the role that Paul is for me in, in, in the other show where he just gets to react and you get to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And even though sometimes like when we did our solo episode uh, late February for Destiny, we kind of like flipped the script a little bit like when I was mm-hmm. giving my Destiny review, but glad to be back at the Proner Report slash the single player experience. And also congrats to becoming part of the, what, is it the Nerd Dots? Yeah, the the Mega Dads. Mega Dads, uh, yeah. Damn, yeah. I'm like, so everyone in the single player experience, I've become a part of the Mega Dads podcast family, as well as the UCP podcast family as well. It's been a, um, been a lot of a, I guess you could say, acquisition season in the video game industry, and I've kind of joined that session. Um, don't don't worry, everyone. The single player experience podcast is still its own thing. It's not a part of it's not a part of anybody yet. They got to throw that hard earned cash at me before mm-hmm. I sell out. But yeah. <laughs> before we'll it dissolves and becomes one thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Before we get into all that, though, we'll we'll say that for another time. I gotta ask you, Alejandro, what have you been playing lately? So, for for the purposes of the show, I have been playing uh, Jedi Fallen Order. This was my third time playing through that game, like completely. And this was my first time playing uh, to completion and platinum run on PlayStation 5. So my previous run was just on PlayStation 4. And then my life has just been consumed by Star Wars. I went back to like old Star Wars games. I went back to play uh, The Force Unleashed, which is a backwards compatible on, on Xbox 360. I reinstalled the EA Battlefront games, the mm-hmm. first one and the second one. And the games that were received coldly at launch, and now that they're like a complete thought, they're actually really good. Going back to them now, now that, now that like the first Battlefront was like notoriously for launching so incomplete, like with only like three or four planets and not much to do for a multiplayer game, and then they fed it up. And then same with Battlefront 2, ignoring the microtransaction fiasco of 2017. Now that is like a complete thought, also really amazing, uh, amazingly beautiful renditions of Star Wars um, battles. And I even went even farther. Like, I did my toes at Jedi Outcast, did my toes at Jedi Academy. Uh, <laughs> I tell you, it's like, Star, I'm living and I'm living and breathing Star Wars in a way I haven't since before the rise of Skywalker. I was wow. telling some, I was telling some friends that it probably took me four years to finally heal from that movie mm-hmm. and, and, and get to be, I had that childlike excitement for Star Wars again, where it's like something that, Star Wars can be so filled with negativity sometimes, especially when it comes to discourse. But I've learned to just shut that off because it's like 
since I was little, it's like, I love the prequels. Then growing up, hearing how much people effing hated them mm-hmm. and that not computing and feeling a little bit more critical about the sequel trilogy now that it's, it's, it's all done. But I feel like my relationship with Star Wars is different than many others where I really like a lot of it, even rewatching a bunch of the TV shows. So it's all been Star Wars for me. Like I'm, I'm in the Star Wars mood, I tell you. Mandalorian so, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious. What, what's your favorite Star Wars game of all time? Oof. Star Wars Rogue Squadron 2 Rogue Leader on GameCube. Wow, that's yeah. a throwback. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was like a launch game for the GameCube. That was mm-hmm. a visual like showpiece for the GameCube also next to Luigi's Mansion. And I think that game is like a pure distillation of what I want from an arcade Star Wars like uh, space game. And it's like so infinitely replayable and it pains me that it's only locked, like it's still locked in GameCube. I can still play it with my Wii connected, but it's mm-hmm. like... I wish there was a way other than like a dolphin emulator for yeah. it to come back. Mm-hmm. Because um, when Star Wars, uh, when EA did Star Wars Squadrons, I remember when they announced, it, I was like, "Oh my God, they're doing, are they doing like a modern Rogue Squadron?" And they was like, "Yes and no. We're doing like a ship game, but it's more of a simulator and it's all first person." And I'm like, "Come on, guys, you had the ship combat nailed in Battlefront Two. Like bat- mm-hmm. the best thing of a Battlefront Two, like the." From at launch, because obviously Battlefront 2 has gotten so much better when they reworked the game and all that, but what was great at launch was the ship combat. I would spend so many times because that's the kind of thing that is just so high energy, like the spectacle and the and the uh, and and the high energy you could get of like dodging the TIE fighters or vice versa in like in amazing space locales is like it's unmatched. And Rogue Squadron gave me that back in two thousand one. Many people will say Kotor. I haven't finished Kotor. What at all? <laughs> yeah, yeah, at all. I know about the story. I know the twists, and mm-hmm. it's just a, that's a game that escaped me back in the day. Like I, I knew of it, but when you were a wee lad in two thousand three and two thousand four, and your father was the one that was buying you games, <laughs> uh, if one didn't seem interesting to him, you were SOL. Yeah. Like uh- so, by so so then by the time that I could finally like buy my own games, had my own money, and all that. Uh, I did buy KOTOR 1 and 2. Like I, mm-hmm. they're, I have them backwards compatible on Xbox. They're just a little too old, and I need to be like in a specific mindset of putting myself back into that kind of old-school RPG. Even though mm-hmm. there, are, there are a few things that I'm like, oh, this is cool that it's holding up. But that's the one that I know that it's considered the best. It's just not my favorite because I haven't played it. I so. understand. I understand. I, I don't think that game ages very well either, to be not honest. With the combat. That's why I was excited yeah. for the remake. That's kind of mm-hmm. like dying at the at the vine right now because they removed the developer they put another one we don't know if it's happening to heartbreaker i would would love for you know like if a modern day core tour game ever does come out because you know like you said there's been a whole lot of debacle about the development cycle of that i would love it to be more so like dragon age and like uh like dragon age games like i love those games and i also love um the mass effect type games as well like I would love it to be a Bioware type experience more so than I would actually want it to be an and, old Super Tour experience. Yeah, and from what I understood of what they were doing with the Kotor remake, they were completely remaking how it played. They mm-hmm. were going to try to keep the story because that story is immaculate. That's still like beyond Mass Effect. Some people consider the first Kotor a Bio, the Bioware's most top tier story, especially yeah. like when, at the time it came out when uh, the sentiment towards the prequels, unless you were a kid, was like negative. So it was like it's, it, one of the greatest gaming stories of all time came from that period of Star Wars. So they, uh, I had heard that apparently the game was become more action RPG because obviously KOTOR 1 and 2 have this like proto-pseudo uh, turn-based combat, but not really. 
It's just kind of like just selecting like the commands and let the things play out, even though it's not like going on a Final Fantasy thing there. You have the two sides, wait for one to attack and all that. It was just kind of like a weird real time, but with stops kind of combat. They were going to make it more like active. Uh, Mr. Matty Plays, who is like big Kotor guy, apparently mm-hmm. he had like sources uh, that gave him that gave him an idea that they were taking uh, inspiration from something like Jedi Fallen Order, which we're going to talk about. Kind of like what they're what they were aiming for the comment. And I'm like, if they were able to like take the story of that and, and merge it with Jedi Fallen Order's combat, which is the best part of that game, we're going to talk about later. It's like that would be like the perfect game, wouldn't it? But yeah. it's like where it's it's just sad. It's like. Star Wars is such a heartbreaking franchise in video games. How many have we gotten? How many promising games we've heard about that just got canceled? It's like it, it just feels like it's a. I don't know. It should feel like it should be the easiest thing in the world. Like it really should. And uh, you know, like uh, before we get into the topic of the show, you know, like I've been playing a lot of indie games recently. It's sort of like my bag, I guess you could say. But like I've yeah, played... I know you guys. Whenever you come to the show, I, I am expecting you to like. Uh, tell me and Paul like about an indie game that we just like ignore or because that's not where we actively look. So mm-hmm. tell me what yeah. was that? What, what's the latest batch? What are you buying? Like it, what now, are you selling? <laughs> now it, the crazy thing is like, I, we were talking about before the show, I was playing um, a league of legends, the made secret game. And mm-hmm. the way like that game looks and the way like that game kind of plays, it, it's very arcadey. It's very Hades. Like it, it seems to me like you can almost put like any IP in that kind of like that, almost like perspective yeah pixel art art style as well and like it should just be an easy development cycle and a really intriguing story that you can tell it, it, and a smaller experience as well because mm-hmm. like i was thinking to myself i'm like not all games have to be especially licensed games have to be you know big 3d projects i it seems like i would almost want some some like smaller scale projects especially if you're telling like a smaller intimate story to mm-hmm. be in that kind of like maybe like a 2d pixelated art style to where you can kind of like tell a story about like the a last stand of like a jedi or something yeah is it voiced like is that game fully voiced yeah it's fully voiced yeah okay and the thing with doing those kind of games uh also that if you want to get them out quicker yeah and you don't even need to voice them like no. as long as like the writing is writing is strong uh, you can get away with like a yeah, like, exactly it, it, so many games and they still work on that kind of aesthetic so and we, we could get more of those oh yeah i would love yeah. that like you know i was playing that earlier and um i was thinking to myself i'm like this is like this would be like the perfect x-men game to where like you can have like a, a level where like cyclops you're just controlling cyclops and you like that feel that haiti style field of vision to where you like you using cyclops's different powers and maybe the different visors that you can get along the way i'm like there's so many cool applications that i feel like everyone kind of dismisses that art style mm. and, and dismisses games like that yeah. but like the IPs are just ripe for that now. Yeah, I would say that yes, I think like the more general consumer will like with their noses at that kind of arsenal. But if mm-hmm. there's something that I really love, especially that happened within the PS4 generation onwards, is that it feels like more often than not, more people than you would expect can like uh, embrace that kind of art style again. I mean, even something like Hades is a little bit more high quality, but still something yeah. more cartoony. Is like that was like unanimously received as like everyone's favorite game of 2020 yeah uh, especially at the same year that the triple a leanings that were leaning more towards like last of us part two but hades was the one that was like more champion like overall and 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 i feel like uh, it's like 
there will be your casuals that all they care about is like, okay, I bought a very expensive machine. I want all the like the bells and whistles, the 4Ks, mm-hmm. the 60 frames, like a, like the next gen. And I feel like there's like they may be silent, but there's a lot of people that appreciate like a more simple video game, oh, especially yeah. co- especially considering like how AAA in general has just been like. Uh, inundated with just the live service or the very bloated open world, so it feels like then, like when you get something like this, feels like a mana from heaven. Yeah, that that is like okay, it's like it's nice of playing a more simpler experience, that's more digestible, that it like harkens back to what gaming used to be. And I think that's the beauty of where we're we're currently at. That those games can be can exist, and even you have the the people that may ignore them, they are not ignoring like in in, in big quantities and. And they can find success. Is it? And, and that's the thing. They, why did it, are we still getting those kinds of games? Because a lot of people are buying them. Maybe yeah, not in the sure. billions or millions, but it's like enough that makes up for like the development costs. That obviously is way cheaper than like the big AAA productions. So yeah, for sure. And I'm glad we're still gonna keep getting those. And kind of like you were saying, I wish we could get like more franchises kind of experiment with that, mm-hmm. kind of like as offshoots. Yeah, I mean, like, we kind of got, like, a couple of, like, IPs recently with, um like, TMNT Shredder's Revenge was one recently to where, Beloved. Like, yeah, Absolutely sure. beloved game last year. Yeah, for sure. And it's a smaller experience. It, mm-hmm. it probably, like, you can probably pump a game out like that in less than three years, and you can still get a lot of the, li- the license quality that you expect from a big AAA game into a smaller experience like that. Yeah. And imagine, and- like, a game like that with, with Jedis in it. Yeah, and another example like Dead Cells. Like, mm-hmm. how long ago has Dazzle come out and like the big pop, the Return to Castlevania DLC, brought back? Is it that was just a reminder? Is like that was also kind of a like, sort of pixelated kind of game, modern mm-hmm. done in a modern way, also big success as one of the most beloved indies. So, I'm yeah. glad that that's still happening. But I wish more more franchises would be willing to just have one off, one one off. Yeah, I feel sure. I feel now that especially this is the year that EA loses the exclusivity license for star wars i can imagine now there could be like a pixel art studio that may want to take a crack mm-hmm. and i would totally be it for it yeah imagine if like what what slow claps version of a jedi game would be like the way they make sifu oh my god with like the actual super precision like uh lightsaber, like, lightsaber. yeah <laughs> like that would be so cool i of course, uh, you know, like me personally, I would prefer sl- like slow clap to make a like, daredevil game right now because like it Ooh, seems like one v one perfect for them. That uh, when they did like the hallway uh, in, the in, hallway that, in that first mm-hmm. in, in that first level is like you could easily mod the daredevil like hallway scene from like season one mm-hmm. into that. <laughs> so they totally could. Yeah, I would love to see them get a crack at that, at, like IPs, sort of like that. But I digress. You know, what else you've been playing other than Star Wars games? Yeah, it has just been Star Wars. I'm currently, I already have it downloaded. For, uh, Burning Shores is coming out tomorrow, mm-hmm. so I I bought that today actually. So it's already pre-installed. 15 gigabytes plus. That's not bad. Yeah, plus another 15 for the patch. So I wonder if it's if they're one and the same. But I had to download like a 30 gig thing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, that's what I'm what I'm gonna be focusing right now as I wait for Jedi Survivor next week. But then other than that, I haven't been playing much other than Destiny. That is like mm-hmm. my chill game. Like whenever I'm like, okay, what? Actually, like it's funny enough. Like this past week, it, my chill games were actually Battlefront more than Destiny. I've already like, squeezed the orange out of Destiny this past <laughs> season. It's like, yeah, I, I feel like I'm 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 well served with that. Though they did patch it today to like do like weapon buffs, and I'm like. 
I want to go test some of the content again with like these weapons that I haven't used in a while to see how they feel. It's like they, Destiny always does that. So, mm-hmm. that, but that's all that I've been playing. So yeah, we're gonna have to have you back on in a couple of weeks or two and talk about the Burning Shores DLC. You know, talk about yeah. the ins and outs because I'm so curious on everything about that. Like especially in light of um the tragic events, you know, uh, about oh, Lance, yeah, yeah, and such like that. I'm I wonder like how they're going to approach that subject yeah. as, well. as far as I know, he did record for burning shores because he put like you know back when he was still with us uh he would like post tweets of him like being like in the mocap suit or ready to record it's like it's man i'm i miss i, I miss lance and lance also big uh do you see what destiny did because lance yeah, Reddick was like the tributes mm-hmm. of everyone that weekend was like gathering around his character and just kneeling and like it, it, was, it was such a heartwarming moment to like mourn something in a way that it doesn't happen in other mediums. How many times have we lost like so many great actors for movies and TV shows that mm-hmm. all we can do is just like send a tweet or post like a good memory on like Facebook, but being able to like gather as a community to like mourn together, like a loss that's for everyone. That was like such a beautiful, like such a beautiful tribute that a game like destiny in its pseudo MMO uh, kind of like structure allowed fans to have kind of like that release. And now we know that he recorded at least the next few seasons before he passed. So we still will get new content from him oh, for a little sweet. bit. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it makes you also worried. Eric, how are they gonna like write him off? Also, yeah, like, yeah. Did they say how um how long the Burning Shores DLC is gonna be hours wise? Uh, I don't think they have said. I am assuming it's gonna be like Frozen Wilds because yeah. it's spread it's spread similarly. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of Frozen Wilds, but I think that was more because. Uh, I had been long gone after having finished and platinum the original horizon and going back to that. And that DLC was just so much harder. The things mm-hmm. that they threw you. So I feel like I was out of my element. I wonder if that's going to happen here again, but I think what I'm more curious about burning, uh, burning shirts is I want to see if my love for horizon is still there. Oh, like, like period overall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just period. Because, uh, I chimed that that was my most anticipated game last year. That mm-hmm. was the, like when me and Paul recorded it, our most anticipated how we did it when you when you visited yeah. way back then mm-hmm. that was my number one i was like so so adamant that horizon forbidden west like had all the uh had all the trappings to be like that defining sequel that was gonna just improve on a solid foundation like the first game uh kind of like that. the yeah. like going from uncharted to uncharted 2 the first mass effect to mass effect 2 or even assassin's creed 1 to assassin's creed 2 which is kind of like more the classic example of like sequels that are leaps and bounds better and obviously Elden Ring happened. And the thing is that even as Elden Ring was happening, I held strong. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try to commit to Horizon. I'm gonna beat it. I'm gonna beat it, even though the whole the entire internet is just all about Elden Ring right now. Paul immediately like dropped Horizon to go back to go straight into Elden Ring. And and then when I finished it, I was like, I enjoyed this. After a few days, I was like, uh, what happened? I was yeah. like, there was just there was just something about uh Forbidden West that was like Oh man, and I felt the same thing happened with with Zero Dawn. When you're playing those games in the moment, they're so great. Yeah. They're like they're so beautiful. Like everything controls so well. But kind of like the Avatar movies, but the 2009 one and the run we just kind of got, they feel like sugar highs. That once they run off, it's like they 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 didn't linger. They don't linger in the mind like oh, other stuff. Gotcha. Like like other like other stuff does. And to me, it's like games that I can that can live rent free in my mind are a sign of like games that are like very special, uh, mm-hmm. or, or more like going from something really great to very special. 
And that's kind of like what happened when you were guesting in my show the last time you were in, when I, when I, when I told you that I went back to Elden Ring after mm-hmm. having been in already and for like my third run and, be, and seeing how that game, which initially I actually, when I finished it, I talked a lot of crap about how bad that the final boss of that game was that it ruined my experience. But then like, as I kept going back to it and the entire breath of that experience, just like started sinking in more to my heart and my mind. I was like, God damn, this game is really special. I understand why it got it. It's running away with like the most awards this year, mm-hmm. even though like initially when I came into the show, I said that God of War Ragnarok was my favorite game that I played in 2022. At the time that was true. Yeah, that was true. As time passed by, like Elden Ring like warmed. It's way it just it just lingered. When a game lingers with you, you know that it's something special. And I'm hoping that Burning Shores can like rekindle something at least because I haven't felt the desire to go back to it after, until this. So I'm hoping that the gorilla does something. I feel I feel bad for them also. I think them releasing when they always do, like mm-hmm. next to something much more anticipated or that completely blows everyone away, it always goes against that game's benefit. I still stand by it saying that. Had Horizon Forbidden West released in 2021 when it was supposed to, it that would have been an easy mm-hmm. game of the year. Not because it's innovative, but because there was not no big innovations happening in 2021. It was the first year of uh, of the console generation. That would have been just about who executed the best in their ideas. I, f- I feel Forbidden West, had it released that year, it would have gotten its deserved flowers. It coming Inside. out when it did, yeah. It coming out when they did, they probably were like, no, Zelda's not coming next to us. We're going to be fine. They were not expecting Elden Ring to be the next, like, the second coming of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Like it happened. And I know that's like, Elden Ring's like not your cup of tea because you're more tra- you're more a traditionalist. But yeah, Elden Ring was just that kind of movement. It's, we're still going to feel uh, its influence, like, reverberate. In many in many ways, not going forward. So. I get it. I get it completely. Like um, recently, I've been playing a lot of games that feel like Hades like, and you mm-hmm. know, it is that development cycle to where like, oh, okay, like it. it I can completely see this game was probably starting development around the time Hades came out, and mm-hmm. that Hades very inspired that. And you know, like I play a lot of indies, like you said earlier, and I see a lot of indie games, especially around the cozy department, that have a lot of like inspiration from Breath of the Wild in the sense that where like they've taken the shield mechanic and kind of made it into a cozy mechanic. They've taken mm-hmm. like the way you kind of the the glider, so to speak, from Breath of the uh-huh. Wild and kind of made it their own variation in the and climb. To be fair, with Forbidden West, a clear inspiration from Breath of the Wild, like getting your own glider, also. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so, but I get but it. not. But not full inspiration because you couldn't still climb everything. No, so. no, for sure not. Um, but no, I think you know, like before we you know, get to the topic of the show, though, like I was, I was pondering for a little bit while you were talking, like perhaps Horizon Forbidden, uh, like the Horizons trilogy, is going to be remembered like the original God of War trilogy, to where like you know, you know, like it's always been overshadowed because you can make an argument that God of War really didn't and wasn't the forefront of Sony until like the 2018 version. You actually, know? no, I, I actually disagree. Um, God of War was the forefront for Sony. You think uh, so? Yeah. Back if you were, if you go back to PS2, it was like Kratos became the face of PlayStation. Uh, by the time God of War three was announced, that was the, uh, especially at the time where PS3, uh, where, where PS3 was like struggling. Many people yeah. were holding off from buying a PS3 until God of War 3 was like fully revealed and had like a solid release date. And in fact, uh, if you go, if you look up like sales char- sales charts data, God of War 3 is just behind. Uh, it was just behind Gran Turismo 5 as like the best selling exclusive on the PS3 initially. 
I can get that. Yeah, the thing that. is that that generation, Nathan Drake, then became the then, then became yeah, the for face. sure. Yeah, that was like when uh, you you could say like it used to be the face. Then it got mm-hmm. overshadowed when Nathan Drake became a big thing with Naughty Dog, and then the 2018 version brought back Kratos as yeah. like the as, as as like the face. So it's it's kind of like interesting. It was like that big back the big back and forth with I, I, who, who was face, and I, I don't think Horizon has has hit like the quite beloved status for. That Kratos did like initially back in uh, back in the day. Yeah. But I feel like when all is said and done, depending on when the third game launches and it's seen as a complete thought, maybe down the line it's like its appreciation can grow a little bit more. It's just like it's just a big victim of circumstance because the problem is that those games are really good. Also, that's the thing. Yeah. That's the that's the thing that sucks about Horizon situations. Like those games are like high eighties. There's like they're they're like what you want out of like a open world game, like traditional. Like yeah. in that old in that old school style. Yeah, so. I think that was the the point I was um, trying to make though is like you know like when I when I think of like that generation the PS3 generation you mm-hmm. know like uh, yeah you're right um, God of War was the the forefront but it was during a struggling time and it was also that that thought no. process to where I associate that era as the Nathan Drake era you yeah, know like, because they were the ones that then. Yeah. That, that then rose from that because mm-hmm. Kratos was the big thing late into the PS2 life cycle. He saw the end of PS2. God of War 2 launched as like the final exclusive of that console. Yeah, so, for sure. So yeah, it's like it definitely like it lost God of War lost its stardom in PS3. Mm-hmm. It that but, but it used to be the face. Yeah. It recovered it with 2018. And there so. and, and like the original trilogies are quality games, especially mm-hmm. during that time frame. And that that sort of reminds me of Horizon. It's like they're quality games, but they always feel overshadowed, which I kind of feel like God of War at that time was overshadowed at that time. But it kind of makes me feel like, like God of War 3, though, I feel like kind of like was that game that felt like the it felt like all the things that they learned came to the forefront and it felt like they had a premier title to show off. I'm hoping yeah. that's the same with Horizon. Yeah, the thing with God of War 3 was that uh, what actually hurt it was that it was so similar to 1 and 2 and, and, and the only thing that that was like so notable about it was like you had not seen Spectacle at that level. No, like the Behemoth like, Battles. The Behemoth Battle at the beginning was like pushing at a time where the PS3 was like struggling in graphics so much, like having the one-two punch of Uncharted 2 that completely unlock the potential of the ps3 then then god of war 3 like solidifying it with like level of high detail and scale uh where god of war uh, lost uh, is, is lost or was in its next entry ascension oh yeah that's true. I, because mm-hmm. yeah ascension was the one that killed a lot of the cachet for god of war it didn't sell well it didn't review as well because it didn't evolve much and the things that they were trying with like multiplayer and all that was like chasing trends uh, uh industry trends around that time that didn't quite fit what they were trying to do. And at the same time, they were already scraping the bottom of the barrel with, like, their Pantheon. So it was like, it just felt like a tired series at that time. I don't feel Horizon is tired by itself, but Horizon's big problem is that when you boil it down, it's a Far Cry game. It is. At a time, at a time where, fundamentally speaking, like, the sentiment towards Ubisoft-style games is at its lowest. They're yeah. doing, like, they're doing Ubisoft games way better than they're doing it. Unfortunately, it's like it's happening at a time where that formula now is like everyone is kind of like nudging their noses to it to be like, yeah, it's like that kind of formula that started back in like Far Cry 3 or that got perfected with 2012's Far Cry 3 is done. It's like we like uh, Breath of the Wild and Elden Ring shows us what you could do with open world games when you trust your player a little bit more. And yeah. and, and, and obviously it's like you you talked in our show, like, that thing you shared also that your big fear is that they're going to be they're going to try to 
copied Elden Ring a little too literally, like in its vagueness and all of that. And kind of like my counter argument that I mentioned there was that I feel like kind of like we're seeing so many games that get tiny pieces from Breath of the mm-hmm. Wild and, and or like the Hades and make them their own thing. I think that's kind of like what we're going to start seeing with open world design. That is like being more thoughtful how you make everything to appeal to you to explore the things. And I that think it's a mystery. Exactly. Like have a, have a sense of mystery and discovery that Ubisoft style games have no mystery. You know, a map has question marks. You can mark them in the map. You go to see what that question mark is, and at a at a point that was great because it was OCD like in the in the OCD nature of things. Like, oh yeah, I'm checking a it's a checklist. I'm like, how many question marks do I have left in this thing? It's like I enjoy that kind of game. Like, in fact, like that game can be very addictive to me. Like when especially mm-hmm. when one is good and not too big, like <laughs> like no, no, no Valhalla. <laughs> so, so do you feel the same concern for Ghost of Tsushima, which is kind of a very similar vein? Yeah, and, and my thing is that I'm not a big fan of Ghost of, Sh- Ghost of Tsushima. Oh, I love it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and my thing is because Horizon and Ghost of Tsushima are literally the same game. If you like boil it down, yeah, with like mm-hmm. it, with like different uh, with different coat of, coats of paint. Yeah. One is primitives mixed mixed with sci-fi. The other is like a perfect representation of samurai. Mm-hmm. It's basically you're going to the same Wendy's, and one is the double quarter pounder, or uh, and the other one is the baconator. But at, at, at their essence, they're burgers. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed Ghost of Tsushima, but because it was still a classic kind of game, it's not one that lingered in my mind. Uh, especially because at least Horizon, for me, uh, its premise was more unique. Because it's like primitive, like and post-post-apocalypse, when, where humanity restarted. But you see remnants of the future society with robots. That by itself is much cooler to me. But many people prefer the simplicity of samurais with yeah. Ghost of Tsushima, and they did it perfectly. I would argue Ghost of Tsushima is even prettier than, than than Horizon. Like those vistas, like I've seen. Like I, I don't know if you follow Shinobi Six Hundred Two uh, mm-hmm. on Twitter. Like he's he's currently playing and he's posting some screenshots. I'm like, God damn, that's like that game still it's looks gorgeous. pretty. It's, it's, it's gorgeous. so pretty. Even so. in black and white, like the black and white mode, it's mm-hmm. an absolute gorgeous experience. I wanna, um, you know, like there's also that um, notion of the Red Dead. Two model to where mm-hmm. like Red Dead is uh, you can argue is that a, kind of that exact same thing but like there's that sense of wonder in Red Dead it, it yeah. seems like a happy medium between yeah what what Elden Ring was and what Horizon and and Ghost of Tsushima is yeah you know? it's so funny like when many open worlds like to say that they copied Far Cry three mm-hmm. you could argue Red Dead two two more inspiration so where some of the vagueness from Far Cry two the one mm-hmm. that it's in Africa. It's it's a game that's like not but not bothering you with constant markers on the map. It's like it's, it keeps it clean. It's more systemic based, and it's so funny that Ubisoft tried that with Far Cry too. But back then it was not well received. It's just a game that now because when people mention it, it's like oh yeah, if you want to play Far Cry two back then, you would see that this was a game that was not holding your hand all the time. It was like it was a little cleaner. It was very systems based. And it was like at a certain point, Ubisoft was ahead of its time when they were experimenting that before yeah. they they landed on Far Cry Three, which was their biggest the biggest template success. So and Red Dead Two is like very story narrative. If there's something that I really love about Red Dead Two, pacing aside because that game can be really slow, mm-hmm. is that it's not it, it doesn't bother you with many extraneous stuff. The game is the game. Mm-hmm. It's a game that you go through the narrative, and you just are part of a you're just a cog in a living world that goes beyond you. That's like yeah. the greatest thing about Red Dead 2, that it feels like the world is existing outside of you. It's not like a world uh, that reacts to you. You're reacting to that world. 
it's so cool it, it's it's so cool like going into going into something and seeing like uh people just like living their day having moments like a random like 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 a random robber like appear out of nowhere and seeing things and you're just kind of like just chilling and be like yeah that just happened and I didn't need to be there. It's like there's something really impressive about those kind of open world games. Instead of the more artificial that you're the center of the you're the center of attention. So yeah, I, and I think that's a, a spectacle as well. You know, to see like a living, breathing world that functions around like around you without you being the focal point of that world. And it's like it's it's sort of the the things that kind of lose me about Breath of the Wild and about like. Uh, about Elden Ring not to not to make be argumentative mm-hmm. or anything like that but like just me is personally like I think I prefer like Red Dead Redemption 2 just because like it feels like those worlds feel lived in you know versus like the the tranquility and the peacefulness of the of a, a world that feels a little more empty but a, a lot more explorable as a yeah. result you know and the thing and the thing was like Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild that's it mm-hmm. that's by design yeah. because uh, the premise of those games is that you're exploring a world already torn asunder Mm-hmm. And you're you're just you're just piecing, you're 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 piecing away like what what happened just by observing and exploring. It's like there's a certain eerness in it, but because Red Dead is more a lived-in world and it's more narrative focused. If you're like focusing a lot on narrative, you need a world also feel as lived-in. Yeah, for sure. As, so it 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 all depends on like what the focus is. The real test now is who's gonna be the one that merges both, mm-hmm. who's gonna like have a top-tier caliber story. While still giving the player agency that gamers really took to heart with both Breath of the Wild and uh, and, and Elden Ring, that yeah, would be like a that would be like if someone cracks the code with that, that would be finally the, it, would, it would feel like we've seen like tiny steps of evolution of like what an open world is. That would be like the perfect amalgamation. Yeah, for sure. But, I'm glad you you brought that question up because it was kind of segueing into my next question, and that's like. Do you feel like Jedi Survivor is going to be the game that cracks the code? Do you feel like it's going to feel lived in yet very explorable? It depends because mm-hmm. uh, at least from what like, we've seen, definitely like the biggest improvement that they're doing is that their play play spaces are definitely gonna going a little bigger. You see Cal like mounting animals or even floating stuff. So definitely they're 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 being a little bit more ambitious with how they're presenting it. Uh, at the same time. They have never promoted that as a new open world Star Wars game. Mm-hmm. They just said it's just an evolved Jedi Fallen, Jedi Fallen Order, and obviously Jedi Fallen Order is not quite an open world game. It was more of a Metroidvania. So, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it will be that. Uh, I could be surprised. Who knows? <laughs> like maybe they, they they've intentionally not uh, given uh, giving this. Though I I do know that there is a side quest system this time around. So yeah, that tells you a little bit more that they're aiming a little higher, which. When we get to talk about like Jedi Fallen Order a little bit, it's like I'm glad to see that, considering like how much smaller and like definitely quick to market the other one felt in felt in comparison. So. For sure, for sure. So let's talk about it. The topic of the show. We're doing our Star Wars Fallen Order. I guess you could say impressions. 2023 check in. 23 che- yeah, yeah. 23 <laughs> three review. Is this game uh, still good? Do we still love yeah. it? Let's oh, yeah. let's talk about it. So, Alfred, like. Al, you've been playing this game nonstop for a very long time now. This is your third playthrough. You've platinum this thing. You probably twice. got <laughs> twice at this point. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, so how do you feel about it in 2023? Yeah, so I feel like uh, Jedi Fallen Order is still a really, really good game. Especially, like, it always impresses me thinking how this, like, Fallen Order was Respawn's Horizon moment. First-person shooter studio that then pivoted. 
or at least a team, a team they had kind of like pivoted into something completely different that and nailing a lot of it on their first go mm-hmm. while still being relatively very imperfect. Um, I like it's it's very hard to like uh, separate myself from the time when we got Jedi Fallen Order back in 2019. When we got Jedi Fallen Order, uh, it had been nine years since we got a true single player Star Wars game because yeah. the last one was with the Force Unleashed two, and let us not forget, the Force Unleashed two was incomplete. Mm-hmm. That game was like four or five hours. Like something had happened at LucasArts that the director left, and so. You can even feel like that game feels incomplete. There's barely anything in it, even though it had really cool technology. And obviously, uh, we saw the loss of 1313. Uh, the Amy Hennig game, when she left Naughty Dog after like her whole the whole thing that happened with Uncharted 4 and she joined Visceral, they were making Project Ragtag, which was the single-player game that was going to be like an Uncharted-style Star Wars game. And that got canceled, uh, both like by... Problems in development, NEA's focus on trying to pursue service games at the time. So, we were only getting Battlefront games. So, the multiplayer, so we had not gotten a true single player Star Wars game that narrative driven, uh, certainly beefy, a little, a little meaty. It's like, it's like not too long, but it's like, it's, it's fairly, like, it's, it's fairly substantial for the yeah, kind of, for, sure. for the, for the kind of game it's aiming to be. So, by the time it came out, I said it earlier, it's like the whole Mono from Heaven. Fallen Order at the time felt like Mono from Heaven. It was like the finally we get a we get a really good Star Wars game. However, it's like those rose tinted glasses hides the fact that that game came in very half cooked. Like that game at launch was like it had a bunch of technical problems, T posing, like weird graphical issues that even till this day have not been fully fixed. Like poor Wookiees. Poor, <laughs> they like, still those look, look ugly. Yeah, they still look ugly as sin. Uh Janky, there's a weird janky animation, especially for the kind of game that it's aiming to be, which is like definitely a game with souls like underpinnings, but not fully that. It was like it's definitely an amalgamation of many different games. You can argue that it's Tomb Raider, you can argue that it has some Uncharted in it, you can even make some parallels that both God of War 2018 and it has like similar design underpinnings, which funny enough makes sense. The director of Fallen Order used to work at, at Santa Monica, he mm-hmm. was God of War 3's developer. So he he had that like melee, melee background to it. So there's a certain finesse to it, but there's still like so many undercooked uh, undercooked ideas that even till in 2023, you still feel that like animation spasm, like the, the animation spasm that happens in enemies. That a key to a good souls like is knowing how to read your enemy and knowing how to properly read when you're going to dodge, when you're going to block, when you're going to attack. And so many enemies have like some such weird janky animation that doesn't make the combat feel super smooth. But even though it's relatively imperfect, the way that even till this day, like that game oozes Star Wars. That it game does. like respects the license, like the and be, the beauty of like these era of Star Wars games that are all canon because this this game had the story group like overseeing a lot of it. This game feels a piece to the entire saga. It's like when you look when you look at it, it's like. You could see where this could fit, like next to like a Star Wars Rebels or a Star Wars: The Clone Wars, or even uh, pretty soon Rogue One and even the Obi Wan Show, which the Obi Wan Show may reference to to this game when you go to the Inquisitor base. It's like that the the whole layout of that base is just straight up from this game, which is where, you got, where, where, where as far as I know, this is where it got introduced. So, so yeah, it's like because it it does Star Wars so well, it elevates the package. It's like we were. 
we were talking a little bit uh, in, in 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 my show when you came in to talk about Howard's Legacy. To me, like from a presentation and visual quality, like production value, Hogwarts Legacy from moment one nails it in a way that uh, Jedi Fallen Order back in 2019 didn't because of how quick it got to market. Kind of like I'm, I was mentioning to you, I learned that a lot of this game was spent in pre-production because it was Stig Asmussen, the director, trying to prove to Lucasfilm that they could do a Jedi game. Lucasfilm didn't want this to be a Jedi game. They were even saying the things like, if you want to do this, we might say you're like a Force user. They were like doing all these weird things and said that they were being very overly protective of Jedi, but they were like, they, and they were like, no, you might as well do like a third person shooter. And Stig Asmussen was like, my dudes, I am came from God of War. My thing is melee. Let me prove it to you. And then by the point that they had to prove it, they had like a year and change of development. So that's why like the fact that it turned out so good with such a small, such a small compressed time, even with its technical problems, is like it comes out on top. And, and circling back to like how to like Howard's Legacy, where Howard's Legacy fails at is not fully respecting the license, where things are not congruent in a way that's uh, Jedi Fallen Order is super congruent with everything that you know about Star Wars. Even when you think it's going a little crazy with like the Cepho aliens and all of that, it's not too crazy if you've seen Clone Wars. If you go back to like the origins of the Force at the end of six, season six, so it nails so many tiny details, like references to those old shows. If you like catch the references to General Grievous killing the Night Sisters back in season four of Clone Wars, like all of that is like it just shows that a level of the kind of level of care that I feel like a game like Batman Arkham and the Spider Man games show to like their licenses story. And I feel that is like what carried Fallen Order initially, even though right now, it's especially now that we've seen uh, how Survivor looks, God is like a uh, Jedi Fallen Order, a rough looking game. <laughs> it really is. And you're right. The I think the, the presentation is probably one of the worst parts about it, other than some, you know, janky mm-hmm. moments, especially mm-hmm. with the climbing system and and a little bit of the parkour system in that yeah. game. Did you autom- did you automize the climbing? Because I know you were having some trouble with that, and there's an option that it will allow Cal to like get it because you have yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like doing that game with an autograph is a nightmare. Yeah, because it is. It, it doesn't re- <laughs> because when it was like no to climb, you have to press the LT or L two oh. depending on where you were doing it. At times it would work, at times it wouldn't. So. Yeah, it, it was it was weird because like I, before that I was I was wondering because I asked a, another buddy about it and because he had played through played through recently as well and I said, is this rougher than what I remember because I remember this being a pain but this feels very much like a thorn in my side right now and he basically told me about that feature and I was like oh this makes everything thirty percent mm. better because like that was probably one of the worst. I don't know what they were thinking kind of moments in that mm-hmm. game. But before yeah. we before we talk more about it, uh, let's give some fun facts about Star mm-hmm. Wars Fallen Order. So yeah. this game, everyone, was released November 15th for the PlayStation 4, the Xbox One, and PC back in a, for a very long time now. What was the year? Uh, 2019. 2019, everybody. So and Fun fact, the same week The Mandalorian came out. That's amazing. That's yeah. so cool. I don't. I, I didn't even remember that. That's cool. Yeah, it was like a Disney Plus launched that week mm-hmm. with The Mandalorian, and a few days later, uh, Jedi Fallen Order launched. That's and so cool. At least for a few weeks, it was just Star Wars bliss. It was like because before that, we had just gone through the Last Jedi and Solo. We know like what discourse no. became around those two movies. So like getting the one-two punch of Mandalorian and this next to each other was like. It felt like it was like, oh man, it's like you know that line from Lord Santeca from The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. It's like, 
that, that starts the whole movie is like this will begin to make things right that's kind of how i felt before rise of skywalker happened <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah it's like those came out the same week perfectly timed i would say yeah yeah i would definitely agree with that you know like another fun fact about this it is said that you know the the next gen edition we both play this on next gen consoles for our replay through you played it i believe on the ps5 i yeah, played PS5. it on, on the series x and s this time around just to kind of mm-hmm. get some more trophies considering i played the original game on the ps4 mm-hmm. back in the day yeah so though the ps5 version separate trophy list so yeah. you could get like a, another trophy list there <laughs> yeah you know that that is true it's just my like it's my laziness i only have one ps5 and it's upstairs and in gotcha. my game room upstairs and i'm mm-hmm. like downstairs in my like in my living room over here um mm-hmm. is your ex it, yeah and it's my s and then x is upstairs as well and mm-hmm. then my pc automatically has game pass on it so it's just one of those things where it was just like it's just yeah. super convenient now but oh yeah I, shout I, out to xbox to be able to like keep playing that game like smoothly oh from, for like, sure separate systems yeah for sure and it's like you pick up you like it doesn't matter what what console i was playing on because i even tried it on like pc just to see how everything would would turn about and whether it be the cloud xbox cloud gaming or whether it be just natively on pc it played exactly where i picked it up at Mm -hmm. so yeah shout out to them for that and then like the so the the next gen version came out june 11th 2021 which really seems like yeah Yeah. it, it seems like yesterday really yeah, that was also the day that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that that same day, uh, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart came out also. Man, you're a encyclopedia. Yeah, and and also uh, this was the day after Summer Game Fest that re-revealed Elden Ring, mm-hmm. and right before E3 started, the the last E3 as as, as now we know. Yeah. So. <laughs> Which by the way, yeah, is, yeah. <laughs> you're a human encyclopedia when it comes to this sort of thing. I, yeah, you can ask Paul like how many times like I I school him like in history. Like there, mm-hmm. I remember just specific moments like that. And uh, they announced that next gen version on Star Wars uh, on Star Wars Day, May the fourth, twenty twenty one. That it was like, yeah, you're gonna get a free next gen update. And earlier that year, what was funny is that earlier that year also, they made a patch for the Xbox One X and PS4 Pro versions, so you could like play them at a higher frame rate if you still had those versions on the next gen console. But they still gave us a free next gen patch. Like a, a next gen version for free, so That's it's a shout out, Yeah, it's a shout out to Respawn that, as undercooked as this thing launched, uh, they kept working. They definitely kept working, and this is definitely like it's in a much better state than it was way back then. And, oh yeah, but for it's, sure. But, but it's still like, I feel there were just some fundamental things that no matter how much they could try to nail the nail the nails, they were always like keep popping up. So they were like through their hands. It's like it's as good as it can be. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and, you know, they did a really good job, all things considered, you know, like, like you said, they had so many hurdles to kind of, to kind of jump over to get this game out. You know, this game should not be as good as what it, what it ended up being. And the most important one, EA didn't care about this game. No. How do you know that? How do you know they didn't care about this game? How was this announced? E3 2018, Andrew Rene asks, Vincent Pella at at the E3, like, well, he was sitting, it was like, hey, so... And you got anything new for us? It's like, yeah, we're working on a Star Wars game. Oh, yeah, what's it called? It's called Jedi Fallen Order. That's, that's all they had. Crazy. That's all, so that's how they announced it. No trailer, nothing. We got the trailer reveal on 2019 Star Wars Celebration. That was the. That's as, as how far we had to wait for us to see what that game was. Even though we knew they were working on a Star Wars game back in 2016. That was the initial announcement. That is insane. Absolutely yeah. insane. So, you know, another fun fact about this game, it's... 
you know, it said that it was a commercial success selling more than 10 million copies by 2020. It was nominated for several end of the year accolades, including best action adventure game at the game awards in 2020. Yeah. And, and, and that's like the tragedy also that this game in 2019 launched after the cutoff date, that's like a so day, sad. like a day after, because I would argue that this game deserved a spot in that, like, in that stage that included Sekiro, that included Resident Evil 2 Remake, that included Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, that included uh, Death Stranding. Mm -hmm. I feel this game was as, like, it, as yank as it could be, like, the good of, the good of it the, made it deserve a spot in that in, in that competition. Yeah. Especially because then the next year, when you had your Ghost of Tsushima's Final Fantasy VII Remakes and Last of Us Part Two, Hades, and Doom Eternal, so it was like, it was not going to hold a candle there especially in this game no, for stuff. sure not yeah it needed to it needed to be rewarded in the 2019 and it mostly got at least it got its accolades like as it should have uh but yeah it's like i think the most important like fun fact of this this is the game we can attribute that ea's complete change towards single player games because, oh man i love it yeah it's literally it's like an ea has said that it's like that showed them there was like when you put out a game that's good People are gonna come and gonna buy it in droves. It's after those ten million sales were were mentioned, which they gave that that figure around January, February 20, 2020. That mm -hmm. game has kept selling. If you look at like the top twenty of sales, like it's always sneaking there. It's like it's just it's just a game that just has constantly kept selling and selling and selling and selling. Obviously, the power of Star Wars because Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga was also a consistent seller last year, but Fallen Order was always there. It was yeah. always there. So, you can always thank Fallen Order for having things like Wild Hearts, having mm -hmm. things like Dead Space Remake, like com coming back. It's like it, it gave EA the go ahead of being like, you know what? It's like there is value in single player games. And now they're like the only publisher out of like the big three that's like giving us like dedicated single player experiences, not like with live service adjacent stuff or a company that's just Call of Duty machine. So, yeah, that's this true. game, yeah, this game like shifted an entire company's fortunes literally that is amazing it, it feels like it was it, it's the game that kind of resurfaced the, the love of like single player games for triple a developers and i love that yeah this is the, this is anakin skywalker and opposite <laughs> it, it brought balance to the force basically this was the chosen one that brought that brought balance to the force because it could have used to be the other way this could have been the chosen one and imagine it had it failed which with its compressed development timeline how janky it was and how little development time it had, it could have. Yeah, it was, it was almost, you almost could say it was set up for failure. You oh, know? yeah. Absolutely. EA wanted, like, the EA, in a way, wanted it to fail because what do they want? They want their multiplayer games that can have their version of FIFA Ultimate Team or whatever their endless, like, monetization can happen. But here came one with, like, no monetization at all. I would say the game, and I would even feel like a fun fact was like, there's no, no no other things other than ponchos for yeah. costumes. It's like they intentionally gimped like the uh, the cosmetic side of things to prevent any microtransaction from ever happening. I love that, and it's, I, and it's still sold. <laughs> I love that. I hate the ponchos in this game. I'm not gonna lie to you, but I yeah. love that fact. Yeah, it, right. But now it's like if you see Jedi Survivor, now we're getting proper customization. Oh, I'm so excited for that. So excited. So. Let's talk one last fun fact about this game. It was 
basically this game came out it, it kind of took over everyone's hearts and everyone's minds at that at that time frame it did win one i think one game of the year award it, this one from fun funnyfacts.com it says that it was kind of funny yeah kind of funny game of the yeah. year three three out of four gave a game of the year it was uh at greg and blessing gave a game of mm-hmm. the year and uh tim wanted tim to gave... give it yeah, wanted to give it to resident evil 2 but that was like his number two so that's why this became like the game of the year so this, they were the only ones that gave game of the year to jedi fallen order and yeah, it makes per- and, and it makes perfect sense when you know the kind of game that greg miller likes mm-hmm. is like this is that game with a star wars coat yeah it's literally that and i'm kind of similar to greg in a way it's like this is like how many times have, have i seen the praises of god of war 2018 this game is like star wars version of god of war 2018 in some in some ways while also mixing so many of my favorite games like all in one and when then you wrap it on the star wars platter with its fans beautifully fan service ending like i mean come on <laughs> i love that ending we'll get to that in a little bit yeah. But I gotta ask you before, um, before we get to just our thoughts on the whole story, what was your favorite planet in the game? Uh, I like Dathomir. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. That red, like blood red vibe that it had going mm-hmm. on, I love that. I love yeah, that. Dathomir is like to me the planet that shows you what could have been had the mm-hmm. uh, had the production value received the same time, love, and care almost like throughout. Like yeah, in I can its see that. So, like, for example, Bogano, which is the first planet that you go after, like, the introduction, mm-hmm. with its, like, swampy green, there's just something so bland-looking about it, and the game chugs around the, around that point that mm-hmm. gives, like, a bad first impression. Then, uh, Cepho is great in scale. I realize, especially when you, see, you, you get to, like, the ice capes and all of that, but that game, but, but that map is, like, a yeah. nightmare, a nightmare to, like, uh, especially if you're trying to platinum this game, and you forgot like one collectible in one side of the map, and having to navigate through that entire planet itself was a nightmare. But though it it look it looks nice, Kashyyyk is the buggiest of the oh, of, that, sure. of that of that entire game. Like uh, I don't know why because it's like the most enclosed. I don't know what happened with the curator. That's also where we get like the the Wookiees looking uh, like uh, clay figures almost yeah, clay, clay figures, <laughs> and I don't know what happened. And that's the thing. Like they look much better now in high resolution. If you look how this these guys look, then base ps4 and xbox one good lord they look like mop you can like mop the floor with them that's how bad they was uh illum is another one i like visually but i also like illum specifically because what it means what that planet means to like overall star wars especially if you Mm -hmm. saw if you saw the clone Wars season five the jungling arc they go to illum oh really yeah that's where is that yeah, if they go to Ilum, that's where they do this. That that's where they do their because that jungling arc was is them like creating their lightsaber. So oh, that yeah. that's so uh, so you're recovering your lightsaber halfway through the game, like going to that is like a reference to that. And oh, if you'll yeah. find, and if you read the collectibles, like you get references to like Jedi's bringing people in there to, to make their lightsabers. And also a fun fact, Ilum is Star Killer base. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, so because that the the really laser cool. that destroys planets is the lightsaber Kyber crystal. Ilum is the place of the Kyber Crystal, so Skylar and so, so Starkiller Base was built there. So obviously R.I.P. Starkiller Base. Yeah. In the first in the Force Awakens, but, but that's yeah. really cool. So Ilum and Dathomir are my favorite. Just and just if especially because I feel Dathomir is the best laid out of all of that map. It's like it's very big, but it feels like it, there's like sensible ways to navigate through it, and it looks really pretty. The red in that is like ooh, this is that's the moment where I was like this. Is what I wanted, like from production value. I can the, easily the, see that. Mm-hmm. 
I could yeah. easily see that. Yeah, I I'm right there with you because like I I I actually like um was it B- Bagano? Like yeah, I but, like the way like I like the way some of the creatures look in Bagano. Yeah, but, the big frogs. <laughs> yes, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. I'm a big fan of this anime called Konosuba, and they always get ate by those big frogs in that in that anime, and it kind of reminds me of that. So like. That kind of has a special place in my heart, but I do like uh, Dathomir is probably my favorite just because it's the one, the one world where I can tolerate the map. Oh like, yeah. All, all the rest of them, I'm like, I hate the map. I almost, I almost wander around aimlessly rather than use that map. Yeah, and especially the lack of fast travel just make exploration in this, in this game such a pain in the ass. Oh, like, for sure. It's yeah, it's it's so, it's so unfortunate because. I like Metroid Prime. Like the the map of Metroid Prime is very similar to this. Here's the thing: Metroid Prime 2002 game. <laughs> so like we, we can't be having like this 2002 like maps on what you might call it uh, on next gen games on, on next gen games. Even 2019, but it still is like it's just not it's not a really well functioning map. Uh, especially though, I would do appreciate that at least if from percentages and at least knowing how many collectibles or things are there mm-hmm. at the very least it's functional that way but for general navigation not intuitive at all i, I really understand. hope that's i really hope that's like one of the big fixes that happened it's kind of like funny like me going in the tangent the god of war 2018 map was also equally horrible <laughs> and then the then ragnarok's map at the very least you could see like where you were in relation to that map at least knowing it's very but also it was not too functional it's like I really hope that they don't pull a Ragnarok and actually go to fix their map. Yeah. Like, I, I really hope that that's, like, one of the big things. We we, we get fixed in Survivor. You're, you're, you're right, though. A map can make or break your experience, especially if you're, like, a collector and or, like, a, like a trophy hunter. Like, mm-hmm. that makes or breaks the experience for you because, like, that can make everything three times as long as it needs to be. Yeah. And that's kind of, like, my theory of why, like, let's say Ragnarok got so many tents. Mm-hmm. There's people who are not 100%ing that thing. Probably not. No. And and then when me that I did and seeing like the compass completely pass them and then like the level layouts of like something like Banaheim happened and you're like, how was this not like pointed <laughs> like in the review? So it, it, it it's, you can have different experiences if those little things are not nailed. Yeah, for so, sure. For mm-hmm. sure. It's almost that, you know, like there's an argument there is like do you have to comp- 100% a game to review it and no. i think that's like the argument like that some people would bounce back against but like i got to ask you like um just on a side note though do you have any more fun facts before we talk about some of our favorite aspects of the story uh, just the that one from Stig Asmussen that i mentioned that um mm-hmm. they almost didn't made a jedi game like they almost they, they, because lucasfilm was being such like so, so protective of the of the Jedi as a, as a concept, so that other than that, like yeah, that's that's all the only fun. Oh, there is a I don't know if you if you know this that there's like if you climb a specific tower in the first temple in the first Sepho temple, like if you sequence break, you will find a Grogu Easter egg in like a oh, secret. Oh no, I've never noticed that. Yeah, so there because there's like in that place where you have to like push some balls mm-hmm. to like climb like in in, the, in once you get like force push. You can get to like one of those towers like from a very specific angle without having oh. to push the balls. It's kind of like sequence breaking something, but then like mm-hmm. if you climb there, um, in one of the secret rooms you see just a bunch of like baby Grogu's, just like uh, toys there like litting, lit, litting a room. Oh, that's amazing! So like, is it that the you? I I think I remember what part you're talking about. Is that the same like um, balls you have to push where it's like all it's in a tower? 
Yeah, you push okay. some balls, mm-hmm. they enter the ball center thing, and then it lifts the tower. Okay, yeah, yeah, I'm right yeah, there so, with you now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, there, there, there is a girl Easter egg there. Oh man, I mm-hmm. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that. So without further ado, let's dive a little bit into the story. Like, well, our main character Cal Kestis, you know, we find him basically on what was it? A mining? A yeah, mining it, it was like a mining facility, or for they mm-hmm. were like uh, lifting a bunch of scraps from the Clone Wars. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, like, what did you think of the story of this game overall? And and our main character Cal Kestis. I feel Cal Kestis may have seemed a little bland at first, mm-hmm. like not much of a personality. But I feel that as a character, like the optimism of like what a Jedi means, like shines through as you keep going through that story. And obviously, like his story is elevated by a, by a really nice cadre of supporting characters, including uh, including uh, Sari, who is uh, who, who is played by the amazing driver Wilson, who Love is her. not. Yeah, I love her. This game doesn't do her face many favors. No, it for doesn't. Some reason. Yeah, it's it, and I know she has a very interesting face, but like, mm-hmm. if you go to see like the trailer for Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League, they're using her face, her actual face, and her face actually looks great there. So that's how you know the production value didn't quite nail her eyes in this one. Uh, then there's Grease, which is like such a funny like original trilogy style like alien like gangster mm-hmm. alien that's just your companion and they're saying things like Greasy Money. That's like a, that's such a fun, such a fun oh, character to so have really her, cool. uh-huh. yeah, to, to have around. And then eventually you have Marin, who is a very late addition to your crew, mm-hmm. like very very late. She's from she's one, she's like a surviving night sister of Dathomir, which that's where you get your reference to the Clone Wars. She was there during the massacre episode apparently when Grievous and like the Separatists came to invade Dathomir, like right before the Darth Maul intro. So. It, 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 that like Marion's entry is like what helps connect the dot to the, the to the more broader Star Wars lore. Mm-hmm. So having having that very that small group of people really elevates uh, Cal. Like it really elevates Cal as a character, but especially his interaction be, with BD One is adorable. I love BD One. Absolutely yeah. adore BD One. Yeah, the Disney era has really nailed it with robots. They I really like, have. Yeah, it's like I I I really like BD, uh, BB Eight on the sequel trilogy. Regardless mm-hmm. of how I feel about those movies, like I love BB-8 as a as a little robot, and um, I've always been a big fan of R2. Like R2 I have forgot, yeah, yeah. Even just as a, because I've been rewatching the Clone Wars like early on, like that ep- that two part episode where Anakin is like desperate to save R2 is like is it's <sighs> such a yeah, it's such a in, like an, an emblem of like how important droids are to Star Wars and how important it is for you to nail cutesy robots. And Cal's relationship with BD-1 exemplifies so perfect. He's like, hey, tell me a joke. Boop, 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 boop. Oh, that, that's a nice one. Boop, boop, boop. It's mm-hmm. like... <laughs> so. it, it does. It like it, it, you make you hit the nail right on the head. Like the Star Wars lately has like had this immaculate ability to humanize droids and to mm-hmm. make them feel like real characters. Like in a way that you know the original trilogy, of course, did that a little mm-hmm. bit with like CP three, C three PO. Yeah, but sure, but not not quite to this level. I don't. Yeah. I don't think like. There were they were there, but like other than yeah. CP three PO and like RTD two, they went at the forefront. You know, yeah, we lost the charm of robots uh, with uh, with the prequel trilogy in a way because mm. a lot of the villains ended up being the battle droids and the super battle droids. So we lost the cuteness and we gained annoyances with the prequel trilogy, but we regain cuteness with yeah. the sequel trilogy and and recent stuff and even things like, for example, Mandalorian this season, the second episode that they got that Mando and Grogu get R five. Mm-hmm. I fell for R5. I was like so <laughs> terrified that something would happen to R5 when they sent him to Mandalore to like go scan 
something. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's like I'm glad that we're like in this great new era for droids. I I'll, I feel that same way about um like um what was the the droid in um Mando the one that was like the bounty hunter droid IG88 yeah yeah, yeah. I I felt the detachment for him you know like yeah they, they, they made gave me... him yeah they gave him such a great arc in that first season mm-hmm. when he sacrificed when IG88 oh, has, so has to sacrifice itself for like to save Mando Grogu Kara and uh mm-hmm. and uh, Carl Weathers character I forgot grief yeah. Griff Carga, yeah, whatever. It's so good. It's, yeah, it's a, and that sacrifice where it's like he goes to the fire and then just, mm-hmm. and then just self destructs when like all the Imperials are there. Like Mando oh. is a, a Mando is good show. It's a good Star Wars. Yeah, I am not as huge with season three as I was with the other two, but I'm still enjoying the show. I understand. I'm right there. Yeah. Um, I'm right there with you. Like I, I do think it's a good Star Wars as opposed mm-hmm. to Boba Fett, which I, I, I wasn't a big yeah. fan of. Yeah. I enjoyed Boba Fett in a second watch more, but it would acknowledge that it's just not great Star Wars. But yeah. there's good stuff in it. By the way, like I did take your uh, just as a the tangent, since we're Star Wars, I'm already halfway through Andor. Uh-huh. That six episode is what turned me around on Andor. Oh, it's so good that six episode. Yeah, the height, the heist. Mm-hmm. Like, so good. I I dropped with episodes four and five before because it was just waiting for that heist to happen. But mm-hmm. when the heist happens and the spectacle of uh, of Andor and its crew like flying through like the fireworks, mm-hmm. the best looking thing that I've seen in Star Wars since the Holdo maneuver. Oh the yeah, Jedi. yeah. I mean, that was people, beautiful. Yeah, people hate the Holdo maneuver conceptually, but you can't mm-hmm. deny it was like an amazing artistic visual. But back to Fallen Order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we got a little bit of a tangent, but that's all good. So mm-hmm. you know, like we really have a good cast here with um Cal Kestis, Grease, um, mm-hmm. um Seer. Um, Saul Guerrero makes a, mm-hmm. a real cool appearance in this. Yeah, um, in the Kashyyyk, in the Kashyyyk chapter. Yeah, Trilla, and then um, um, Jaro Tapal, and then the the ninth uh, the ninth sister. The you ninth know, sister. How, yeah, like the big chunky one that you fight at the tree. Oh my goodness, that mm-hmm. that to me was probably my hardest boss fight, if I'm honest, on my yeah. ne- on this last playthrough. Yeah, she was my hardest boss fight. One of the hardest boss fights. My first playthrough, I got her in my first try in this. Oh one. wow! Yeah. I forgot how to. I forgot completely. Forgot. It's been so. I haven't played this game since launch. At, oh, yeah. at that point, and <laughs> yeah. so like I was almost relearning like all of her movements and such like that. So it took me a couple of tries for her to stop. Yeah, it's around. like the big key about this game is that so many attacks are parried, mm-hmm. and the thing is that you don't know that sometimes because it doesn't make any sense why you would be able to parry almost everything. No, but everything is. It's like unless the enemies like they get like a red, they're like. They become like red uh, before the attack. Those mm-hmm. are the only attacks that are not parryable. But then everything is parried. And that was something that was messing me up back then in 2019 that I forgot that everything was parryable. Yeah. Uh, so so I would just try to dodge around. But sometimes some attacks are not meant to be dodged. So that could like mess you up. Especially like one of those. Uh, the nice the nine sister likes doing like weird combos when she starts like jumping, slamming the uh, slamming the floor, mm-hmm. elevate some stuff, and then throw the uh, sort of the sword at uh, at the same time if you're not pairing then you're screwed <laughs> so. oh for sure for sure so so how do you feel about this game in 2023 do you think people should still play it i feel it's still a perfectly playable game that is the best it currently is mm-hmm. but with the caveat that is still not a very polished experience it's like it doesn't have the it doesn't have kind of like the artistic and the, the artistic production value that defines the very best mm-hmm. in a way but I feel like if you love Star Wars, it's like 
I can't imagine you playing this and not and and not falling in and and not reaffirm and, and this game not reaffirming your love for Star Wars. Yeah, like, I'm in, right there with you. In, in many of the different areas, I feel like it's a game that starts a little rough. Uh, maybe not the most exciting of things, but it gets pro- it's a game that just gets progressively better until like it hits a very specific point halfway through the story that really juices you up. Like all right, all right, everyone, we're we're going full spoilers now. You, you, mm-hmm. Like. So be warned if you haven't played this game. We we gave you our impressions. I also think you should go play this game. Yeah. It's a good Star Wars experience. If, if I were to if, if I were to score it like this, I would put it like this. Oh, this really? at launch, yeah. This at launch was like a seven out of ten game mm-hmm. that I loved like a nine because of how well Star Wars was nailed, while acknowledging its faults. Nowadays, with with the patches, I would bump it to like an eight, and I would love it like a ten. Let's just oh, put wow. it like that. So. Mm-hmm. But while still acknowledging that it's not perfect, but that's just how much like if you're a Star Wars fan, like that's gonna carry it a lot, oh, yeah, a lot sure. of a lot of what Respawn did with this. So, are we sure. like taking the gloves off now? <laughs> yeah, taking the kitty gloves off. Everyone, we both recommend this. I would probably give this an eight out of ten as well. Mm-hmm. Like, go go check this out if you haven't already. We definitely recommend you play this in 2023, especially yeah. if you have a next-gen console. Yeah, and if you've been, like, redeeming your games on um, PS Plus, like, this was given given as a PS Plus freebie back in January, so you probably have it. And if you're not, it's in Game Pass. If you have a Game Pass Ultimate over on Xbox and PC, you can play it there also. So Yeah, yeah no excuses now, everybody. Okay, yeah. kick gloves are off. Let's go, spoilers. What'd you think of the spo- uh, story? Spoiler, spoilerific. Yeah, it's like the story, like, to me, like, the moment that you get the flashback to Order 66, mm-hmm. that's the moment for me where, like, the, where this game becomes, like, yeah, this is good, I'm enjoying this, I think it could be better to, like, oh, wow, we're, like, seeing the, like, a different perspective from, like, Order 66 from, like, outside, like, the usual suspects, and then that's when they, you're taken to Illum, like, you're, like, getting the experience to rebuild your lightsaber, Mm-hmm. Like and 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 understanding like you get the little lord that will remind you a lot of that uh, uh what you call it uh, the jungling arc from Clone Wars season five. Oh, that's and, a good pool. Yeah, and uh, and then on top of that, uh, some of the things about the philosophy that about what Jedi are currently is like they come to a head, especially when you like uh, was in was the name of uh, is it Marcos the, the the guy that you fight in Dathomir that's like a fallen Jedi that's like yeah. controlling the Dathomirians. Played um, yeah. by mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So played by the way by Liam McIntyre, who took over Spartacus in the star in the Spartacus TV show, and was the weather wizard in the Flash TV show. That's so cool. I yeah, didn't realize that. Yeah, I didn't know that until like I looked it up. I was like, he makes such a great. That's such a like that old man. That's the hardest fight, by the way. I feel mm. like the hard that that's the, that is the hardest fight against him, yeah, in in Dathomir before like you enter like the end game of the game. So, I feel like I feel like this game. Uh, Touches on the philosophies of what the Jedi Order used to be, and what and what current Jedi wanted to be or think it is in a better in, in a better less cynical way than something like the Last Jedi touched. I, where I something, completely agree. Yeah, where something like the Last Jedi was like Luke saying like the Jedi Order has to die or something like that. I feel like this presents those philosophies in a little bit more balanced way, mm-hmm. which because I feel like what Luke says about the Jedi Order like their failings are very obvious. The thing is that. It was not just failure. I feel there's something there again, the balance of the force. Let's say there's mm-hmm. like something balanced about the Jedi's place in the universe, despite like their extinction after Order 66. And I feel like that's when the story starts like 
touching on those elements, it it goes from like, yeah, this is a decent enough Star Wars to being like, no, this is actually a really good one. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, it becomes a classic when Darth Vader gets introduced. Oh my like god. Like at the very end, which is like, it should have been obvious. And that may seem like a cheese. Like, of course, you have a Star Wars game, but Vader is in it. But I feel this is the perfect, perfect way to do Vader. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's and a, they had him as an ominous presence. Like, mm-hmm. oh. So good. Yeah, especially, like, you understand, like, who's, like, leading the charge and the extermination Mm -hmm. of the Jedi Order at this time. You know, like, Vader is, like, the one doing it. And and he has his Grand Inquisitor and his Inquisitors kind of, like, doing his dirty laundry, like, in many places of the galaxy. Mm -hmm. But getting to see him, like, at the very end, kind of, like, after everything's been done, you beat in Trilla, which we learn is, like, the second sister that used to be Ceres Padawan. Mm -hmm. And and, and something, like, one of the cooler parts of the story of knowing... uh, of seeing Sarah as a failure of a master that she she like uh, in a moment of weakness betrayed her Padawan. Yeah, sold her out. It's basically under torture, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know, that's a little bit messed up. <laughs> if I'm being honest, it's very messed up. But yeah. like, you know, it, it is that human element to where like I, you know, a lot of like I feel like bad Star Wars kind of make like Jedi seem like gods and so to speak when they're really humans who are flawed individuals who are like tempted by like what's right and what's not right you know and in that moment like she became a character who very much did a very wrong thing because she was human at that moment you know Mm -hmm. exactly and and that human and it's good to have a humanized mm -hmm. uh, which I'm gonna call it uh, a humanized character as your villain Especially because you don't get many bosses in this game. It's like it's a it's a very compact game. Like when you're when you really think about it, it's like the main thrust of the story is like uh, Sari tells you about the existence of the hol- uh, this specific uh, Jedi holocron that mm-hmm. has like that, that could help you detect like Jedi the people that uh, are force they, sensitive, they, right? That, that the forces with them and they they could be like potential Jedi and the idea of this is this is what's gonna be used to kind of like rebirth the Jedi Order. Obviously, like if you follow the movies and the TV shows mm-hmm. and all that, you understand that. Uh, considering where this is in the timeline, which is five years after uh, *Revenge of the Sith*, mm-hmm. five years before the Obi Wan show, uh, you know that the Jedi Order is like in tatters. There's obviously a few survivors, but at least from, from what you know, it's like the Jedi Order is no more. And obviously, that's the big driving point of like maybe we can rebirth the Jedi Order, but then like uh, when the Sith starts giving you that gives you the visions of what could happen. If uh, if um, the Jedi Order comes back, and I really love that sequence where you're like visiting like near the end, and then you, the Sefu gives you the vision of like your junglings getting attacked by uh, by the Imperials, and then you eventually mm-hmm. like, the only way for them to make it is for you to like surrender, and then you actually become an Inquisitor, like that 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 scene where you're like walking, and then you're like oh yeah you have mm-hmm. your red your you have your red lightsaber and Inquisitor suit, which if you play New Game Plus, that's how you can use that suit. Oh, like I didn't just, know that. Yeah, yeah, just in general play. So, ah, I see. You know, I played. Um, I I played on a different console this go around, so I I didn't have that luxury. Yeah, so I haven't done New Game Plus because there's no uh new game. There's no like trophy. trophy. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's no trophy. So it's like it's rare for me to play a New Game Plus without like a trophy thing. The only time that I've done that was God of War twenty eighteen because they added new armor. So it was yeah. like there's actually something tangentially different that can take me beyond just my trophy horniness. <laughs> so yeah, but oh well, by the way, by, by the way, like the, the the new game plus of this game because our, our buddy Paul was also uh mm-hmm. playing it sucks because oh, really? uh, because new game plus is not like what you want new game plus to be. It's like the idea of new game plus is for you to break the game in a way. 
Oh no, that's yeah, weird. So, yeah, because it's like when you have it's like God of War uh, Ragnarok recently getting this new new game plus thing. You have everything mm-hmm. plus plus more like from the very beginning. So now just play the game. It's like the sanctity of the game is done. So <laughs> that's so weird. It's and it's a weird decision. Like why would you have that? Like mm-hmm. it seems like it would just you're almost like fighting against yourself. I'm like why do that? Exactly, because it's like it, it just hurts the replay value of this, especially because, mm-hmm. like I mentioned, like the first half of this game is at worst okay. It's good in parts, but it's like the excitement really happens halfway through. Mm-hmm. So, it's especially when everything's unlocked. Why? Well, because Cal as a Jedi is like, uh, I feel like, especially if you play something like the Force Unleashed, that you get so many Force powers, like the extent of the Force powers you get in this game are just Force Pull, Force Push, yeah. Freeze, and. Um, and uh, what's, what's the other one? And then eventually an upgrade to throw your lightsaber on. But at least when it comes to the like, actual force powers, it's very limited. Yeah, no lightning yeah. and nothing yeah. like that. Yeah. And obviously the lightning is like associated with like the dark side. Yeah, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But then like when you combine, like when you compare like something like the Jedi Outcast games from way back then, or even Jedi Academy, mm-hmm. is like you have such a cadre of different kinds of force powers that you can use, like choking sun like you can do the force choke and like obviously the force pull lifting uh lightning uh it's like the jedi like being a jedi should be like really fun but then at the same time obviously this game had to limit itself because they try to be a souls like so yeah, in, the, sure. in, in the same way that it's like it, it can kick your ass if you if you're not like if, if you're not ready mm-hmm. basically but the beauty is that this is a souls like with difficulty yeah, it, so I'm wondering, and and because this was probably my first Souls game that I ever finished, like Souls like game mm-hmm. that I've ever. This finished. was my first one, also. Oh actually, yeah, my, I was surely my second one. My first one was Bloodborne. Oh, see, man, you know that's my that's my yeah. ledger still. I know. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll get to it one day, but like I I'm looking at that kind of like gameplay, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, how can you you know implement more force moves in Survivor that. Mm-hmm. That would be fun, but not like, but still keep up that same spirit of yeah. the genre, you know? Yeah, I feel like um, from what I've seen, like their evolution has been adding combat stances. Oh, okay. Yeah, so just based on like and on the preview that I saw for the IGN first that happened a month ago, I think, mm-hmm. is like Cal will have like way different uh, stances to uh, to to be able to attack enemies. There's gonna be like one that. Uh, it will make the sword like the cross hilt that would be like if you were doing like a heavy sword, mm-hmm. which will not like fully lock on an enemy, but if you land your hit, it's gonna like land even more damage. There's obviously the double double light server stance, the normal stance. It feels like there can be like more variety uh, that will make sense for the universe without making Cal like the new Star Killer. Yeah, because that's because that was the thing with Star Killer back in the Force Unleashed. It's like it was fun. But it was like he was way too powerful for like the universe. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. like he like with a force he brought down the the star destroyer. Do you remember that when he brought back? When oh he yeah, when he was pulling it back down. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, from like from the the skies of Raxus Prime. So it was very unrealistic. Let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And here was what's what was funny is that back then, like force uh, the the force unleashed was canon mm-hmm. for Star Wars. That's like, be- yeah, stupid. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, mm. I mean, yes, the, the birth of the rebellion sort of happens there. That was like before we got the Rogue Ones and all of that. Mm-hmm. But because that was still under George Lucas, and apparently that was a story that George Lucas like signed off on. 
So that's why I was like, yeah. no, this is this story is actually canon. But then when Disney took it, they were like, nah, that's not no. that's not canon. And especially like what ruined it was the fact that it was incomplete with mm-hmm. the Force Unleashed two when that game ends with you capturing Darth Vader after cutting his hand. That's crazy. And like, and, they, and the Force Unleashed three never happened. So no, no, we we don't we don't need that to be canon. That it sounds like it's almost like fan fiction mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah, and, and it, just, it just breaks the reality. <laughs> it really does. It really yeah. does. So, like, we talked a little about like our favorite worlds. Um, do you have a favorite character in this game? Uh, outside, uh, I would say like my favorite was definitely Sarah. Oh, she's like just that. yeah, yeah. She she's just uh, the most interesting, like most most nuance of them. It's like this character that has been sh- that shut herself off from the force intentionally because. Uh, the last time she used the force, like she committed like an atrocity that caused her her powder one to, to the dark side. While she's mm-hmm. still like, eh, having a dark, uh, has the dark underpinnings inside of her. It's kind of like you see that at the end when she is protecting you from Darth Vader. It's like Vader's like coding her, coding her, being like, no, she she knows how to tap the dark side. Yeah, like let it take her. It's like there's just something fun of, of seeing a character that's like very Anakin like in a way that has a dark underpinning to to them, mm-hmm. but knows how to like cut off just before yeah it's yeah. almost it's almost like a tease or if if she's actually gonna go dark you mm-hmm. know like but it, it but they cut it off right before like the, she crosses fully over and i like that i really enjoy that because it's a little nuance there to where like they they kind of play with you a little bit mm-hmm. you know give you a little bit of a tease and i like that i she's one of my favorite characters as well i would probably say um the I can't remember the character we pick up on um Darth Mir though. Um, yeah, uh, Marin. Marin is probably one of my favorite characters in the yeah. sense that she she feels so innocent in a way. Yeah, like it's the, like yeah, she's like like a fish out of water. Like she just knows mm-hmm. the one thing. She just has like a primitive, like a a primitive like side to her, to her that mm-hmm. she just knows the way of the Dathomir and. Uh, I would say like the coolest thing about Marin is that when you're exploring the world, like if you like want to do the 100 percent and because she like follows you around you can have conversations with her outside your ship and you can have like interesting her interesting perspectives of seeing a planet like cepho or bogano mm-hmm. or and having conversations about the force and what the force is like for them because are the night sisters using actual magic is it the actual force yeah. these were th- these were things that were sort of touched upon in the clone wars when the night sisters of dathomir were were introduced and that's it's it's a nice segue to have that, and we know all of them are coming back for ne- for the next game. So, I'm so excited to be able to see more, like for them to be further fleshed out. Mm-hmm. I'm really so, excited. Yeah, I, I I liked all that. Um, I'm trying to think about something, an aspect that we kind of haven't touched on, other than the the I guess you could say the big climax, so to speak, and where mm-hmm. Cal leaves off. Like, I love the fact that we're running from Vader, that we never touch him. Like. Yeah. It's it's like he's that ominous presence that's too big for us, and yeah, I love if, that. If there's something that some some games have kind of failed at with Darth Vader in a way, it's like I don't feel Vader should be one that you defeat often. No, I feel no. like I, I feel like uh, sometimes uh, so especially we've we've seen Vader be defeated a few times, even in official media, like mm-hmm. the Obi Wan TV show. He def- he's been defeated by Obi Wan again, like in that in, in in the scene where he has like his his uh, helmet sliced off. In, in half, which is like the other half of the helmet from like Rebels. Yeah, yeah it, it, it was like really a mirror cool. to the Twilight of the Apprentice arc of 
Star Wars Rebel Season 2 when Ahsoka also destroys the shield. And that's where he, when she sees Anakin for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, for example, in The Force Unleashed, he gets wrecked by Starkiller. Yeah, exactly. Like, he absolutely gets wrecked. And I feel like if you want to if you want to keep the mystique of Vader like mm-hmm. going, how they did it in Jedi Fallen Order where he's not even a boss fight, he just appears, you yeah. can't defeat him, mm-hmm. that's how you have to do it. You For sure, for sure. And like... Because I feel like you want him to be that presence. Like you want him to be larger than life. You want him to mm. be the the big bad wolf, not necessarily a not necessarily an antagonist to be defeated, but like something mm. that like we need to get out of here. Like this is beyond us, you know? Yeah, and this uh, this also continued like Disney's good use of Vader that started mm-hmm. with uh, Rogue One. That's the one thing that oh, I feel I like they, they yeah, it's like. Um, I've I've appreciated Rogue One the more I've gotten away from it because I remember that was not like one of my favorites, but I don't I know that it's a well made movie. I appreciate it even more after Andor, mm-hmm. even as I'm halfway through. But uh the way they use Vader there, like that hallway. Oh, that, the hallway goodness. of terror mm-hmm. is like that was like I was finally seeing like what the true terror like terror of Vader is, like for people that had no chance. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And it's a- it, you know, they made him like a horror vil- like a horror villain. Like he was like Jason, so to speak. And exactly, you're like a Jason Voorhees. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of elements that they tapped with uh, with, with Jedi Fallen Order. Is like, uh, especially in a more in a more extended way. It's like he's like pushing like uh, the the platforms, like crumbling mm-hmm. everything, flying everything. It's like I was in a, in a little bit more like exaggerated way, but it, that's what you want out of Vader. Oh, for sure. For like, sure. That's exactly what you want out of Vader, and it's like. His appearance just helps elevate. Like, you know how I say, like, sometimes a great ending can elevate an entire package. I feel like how they nailed mm-hmm. Vader near the end was, like, exactly what made this it made that game go from okay to good to, like, really great. I, I'm right there with you because, like, as it was sort of winding down, I was just like, okay, this is a good, like, it's a decent, confined Star Wars experience. It, this is, mm-hmm. it, it scratches that itch. This is the single player Star Wars game I've kind of been wanting, but it's not mm-hmm. necessarily like revolutionary. But whenever mm-hmm. like Vader came and like they treated him with that reverence and and mm-hmm. that understanding of like the lore and everything we mm-hmm. talked about so far, I, it, it just amplified that. And I was like, oh, yeah. this is a good IP game. Like yeah. this is what I've want, been wanting from a Star Wars game for a very long time. Ex- exactly. And, and, and and again, it's like it's just, it's just so when we think about like the the solid foundations, like the Uncharted mm-hmm. ones, the Assassin's Creed ones, the Mass Effect ones, and all of that, I would even argue that the foundation uh, they have with Jedi Fallen Order is even stronger than those other games. Like as a base of like how great this can be. Like if, and now when we get into the sequel and see respawn, like now have the time to fully flesh out all these ideas. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, also a very polished product. Also on top of that, that uh, that man. It's like here's here's a question though. Do you think they will reuse Vader again in Survivor? I hope not. I, I, I ho- hope yeah, I hope it's I, a one-off. Exactly. I hope it's just a one-off, or maybe it, because uh, apparently they want this to be a trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Stig Asmussen, in the second IGN first interview he made, he said that in his mind he would love for this to go for a trilogy. I bet he will, especially with how well. Uh, Fallen Order has sold. It's like the only way that I see this not happening is if for some reason something catastrophic happens and this game is a disappointment, which I don't think it will be because in Respawn I trust. Yeah, I, I but, trust them too. But yeah, it's like I, I would I would hope that they will learn that what they got was lining in a bottle with that Vader moment that they don't try to recreate that. Like yeah. I, I, I truly hope they don't. Yeah. I would love for them to surprise us. Like 
how could it be hype again? <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm right there with you. It's almost like a less is more situation. Like, like you should want to keep surprising us, want to keep like raising the bar, but like, and want to keep using the the mythos of different characters in your mythology without having to go to the well on one character over and over again. Like, I would. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong though, but like about the timeline of this, because you're probably bigger of an yeah. encyclopedia person than yeah. I am as far as this goes. But like, I would love to see like a character like um, Darth Maul, mm-hmm. or you know, like that. I I feel like him making he appearance can. would be yeah. If he I can. remember correctly, yeah. yeah. Like, I but, I would like to see him make an appearance to where yeah. like or maybe like. Maybe like a Ahsoka or something mm-hmm. like that, to where like we get like different characters in the universe that don't necessarily break the break the mythology, but yeah. still the add a roar. Yeah, yeah, or but still add a add a little bit of pizzazz to a story. Just just a one off though. I don't want mm-hmm. it necessarily to be a a new like oh Ezra's a main character now. Uh, you know? Yeah. So just timeline wise, so Fallen Order, uh, it's five years after Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. Survivor is five years after, it, okay. in the exact same in the exact same time frame that the Obi Wan show happens. Okay, because the Obi Wan show happens is ten years after uh, after after Revenge of the Sith. Uh, Rebels is five years before New Hope. Yeah, in so Rebels. Mm-hmm. so yeah, and and remember uh, for spoilers, uh, Ahsoka shows up in Rebels. Uh, yeah, and obviously she's alive. She's getting a show post Return of the Jedi. <laughs> Darth Maul gets killed. In Rebels, mm-hmm. after like a, a tiny bit of a because there's a tiny bit of a time jump uh, from season two to season three. I don't know how many years that is. I don't uh, know because obviously you see Ezra like grow up after mm-hmm. after the the events of Twilight of the Apprentice. So theoretically, in Jedi in, in Jedi Survivor's timeline, you can he, see both those characters. You can see you can see Obi Wan. You could see Darth Maul, mm-hmm. and you could see as you could see Ahsoka. Like you can see all of them. Theoretically, you could also see anyone from the Ghost Crew from Rebels, yeah. maybe even younger around around that time. It all depends. Uh, I do wonder because I know there's a there's been some clips of you actually visiting Coruscant mm-hmm. in Jedi Survivor. I wonder who else could be there. Yeah, that's an interesting. That's an interesting scenario. But like, yeah, regardless of whoever the a cameo would be, I just hope it's big, but not like I don't want it to overshadow everything, and I mm-hmm. want it to be done with like that almost. That exact same, like, yeah, a minor, this is a minor thing, kind of, like, scenario, just like it was with Darth Vader. Yeah, it's, and, and, that, and that was the beauty of Vader. It was, like, very tiny little bit that gave you all you needed out of out of that moment to be amazing. And, obviously, there is a danger with, with fan service when it comes to Star Wars recently. Obviously, like, uh, that's been some of the bigger critiques that the, that the brand has gotten in the post- sequel trilogy era where they where it feels like they've just been throwing fan service to make uh, fans feel happy or feel mm-hmm. something in lieu of like how they felt angry with that sequel trilogy but too much fan service can be a real problem it really and can. and and I, and I feel like uh, the, the vader moment was fan service to the extreme but done super right we're getting a bigger game now it's like i really hope that they know how to pull back a little yeah, bit dial yeah. it down just a little bit yeah yeah because that, that was the beauty of like uh a Fallen Order as a story is that it felt so unique that it was like obviously tying to Vader at the end it kind of like puts it in next to the Star Skywalker saga of it all but the beauty of uh, a Fallen Order is like almost like uh, Rogue One before you told all, a, a completely separate story from like the characters that you really know about mm-hmm. it made the universe feel bigger 
in a, yeah. in a way that some people really want Star Wars to feel. In fact, like why I love the first season of The Mandalorian so much, even now in retrospect, is that it made the world of Star Wars feel bigger because it was so separate from what you usually know. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Mandalorian does this started tying into things we've seen from the Skywalker side, including Clone Wars and all of that with the introduction of Bo-Katan and the Dark Saber and all of that. But there's just something cool about it, focusing a story just in the outskirts. Yeah, I hope for sure. they I hope they keep that they keep that because by keep, keeping it that way they won't feel as hamstrung. Mm-hmm. The big problem of doing a bunch of these projects that are set in between movies and stuff like that is that you can't go too far because you know yeah. there's a set endpoint. So it's like you have to know where the line is before you actually break. Like yeah, like you don't want to break like continuity. But no. yeah, I'm right there with by, you by going, by going too far. So. It, it it is that same thing of like um of like what I think a good IP game is because you look at something like Spider Man it's like mm-hmm. a, a big criticism of Spider Man you know the the recent Spider Man the 2018 yeah it's like that they probably shouldn't have included the Sinister Six maybe dialed that back a little bit more kept it more confined mm-hmm. maybe especially considering you basically just wax off the Sinister Six like really quick like, yeah. Yes, but I would say that to me personally, they were done well uh-huh. because one of the beauties of the Spider-Man 2018 is that it's the rare IP game where we're starting in the middle of things. That's true. It's like we 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 saved ourselves. Uh, I got bitten by the spider. <laughs> uh, Uncle Ben is dead, and things like that. So that you know that can bog down origin stories. It's kind of like it had the spider-man homecoming like mentality of like you know who the character is mm-hmm. you don't need to be bogged down uh with unnecessary backstory and all that we can kind of give you like little kernels so you have an idea what has been going on with this version of spider-man and i feel like something like the sinister six in the 2018 one is like they are already in prison you know that early on in his career he was able to like gather these guys in together and put them into the into rikers island and yeah. and then you got to fight them I thought that was we didn't need more 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 than that because the focus was on Doctor Octopus. Yeah, which they, yeah. they nailed. They really did. They yeah. you know absolutely knocked it out of the park with that one. I think yeah, well, yeah. What I was trying to get at is like I I almost wish we would have got more time with like intimate like maybe like a another intimate villain if rather as opposed to just like boss fights that didn't quite mean yeah. very much. You know. Yeah, because in that game it's only Oct- Octopus and Mister Negative. Yeah, for are sure. like the only are the only two that are like an actual in-depth villains. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Mm-hmm. Maybe the sequel can then flesh it out. And maybe so. Maybe yeah, so. so. Yeah, a lot of room for improvement. Speaking mm-hmm. of improvement, we'll see how you know Star Wars Jedi Survivor improves on the formula of Fallen Order. But before we go, though, I want to ask you, what is your dream Star Wars game? To me, the dream Star Wars game would be uh, a game where you can either be a shooter or use a lightsaber can travel space from ground to like to, from ground to outer space that can be like a full rpg so so if starfield, starfield. was a yeah, yeah i was about to say if starfield uh-huh. was a jedi game exactly no that's why i'm so excited about starfield because it's like i could play pretend <laughs> about, like, about the idea <laughs> i like so. that i like that i think mine's right along i would love to get a game that's basically jedi fallen order but in like the knights of the old republic era to where Ooh, like yeah i think that would be really cool i think that would be really dope yeah that that era is so ripe for sure especially with the mm-hmm. old republic video game there's like apparently there's been so much great storytelling that has happened in that era yeah that 
I wish it could be playable outside the old Republic, not just in PC. Somehow that game never made it to console. What? So it's you know, insane. And it's still is, going. That is. Or maybe like I would also love like maybe the founding of like the Jedi Order, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, to be a part of that team. I think that's that'd be the really movie cool. that's coming. Yeah. The James Mangle movie that got announced at Celebration. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, well, licensed games have gotten a lot better. Maybe we'll get a finally good movie tie-in game, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's what's so funny is like uh, licensed games have definitely gotten better. The ones that, and, and it all happened because we're not getting the movie tie-ins. Mm-hmm. And I feel that was the key because movie tie-ins that had to release like right at the eve of a movie that's what those are the ones that were all rushed and it gave us so much crap it's kind of like the similar to like uh shifting back to like Hogwarts legacy those harry potter games from way back then a lot of them were real bad real real bad it took them like just to take the visual like presentation of those movies and make its own game for Mm -hmm. it for 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 there to finally be a good harry potter game yeah for sure it's called harry potter so so i feel that's that's kind of like the key why Spider-Man 2018 was so good had nothing to do with any property. It had the backstory. Obviously, there's source material, but they were not adapting anything. That was no. its own story. The Arkham Arkham Knight kind of screwed up a little bit there by trying to adapt under the Red Hood. Red Hood. Mm-hmm. While, while pretending it was not going to be that, and that hurt that game in a way. Uh, Gotham Knights tried to adapt the Court of Owls story, and I would argue that's the best part of that really mediocre game. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. especially like the story is the only thing that works from that game. The rest of that game sucks. So it's like not adapting movies is the way to go. Adapting the source material but make it your own, it's the way to go for this IP license games. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. I, I understand. Yeah, and I mean, we're getting uh, the Star Wars Eclipse game by Quantic Dream that got announced like two years ago. Oh, that's going to be like, fun. That, that, mm-hmm. That's set in the uh, High Republic era. Mm-hmm. Like, these are the kinds of games like we need, like explore. Everything just outside of like the the core nine movies that are there that that can hamstrung you. I love the Quantic Dreams like formula too. I love the way they tell stories. They tell stories like nobody else in video games. Yeah, their writing and their stories may be a little hokey, but the way the like the ambition of their storytelling mm-hmm. is something highly commendable. That's like the the thing that worked the most for me with Detroit Become Human. Mm-hmm. Some of their themes were like a little like ugh, all like, over the your, place, yeah. yeah, all over all over the place. But there were, it's like no, it's an abuse of that story. But here's BLM style things, and it was like it, it was just trying to put push too much like social agenda at, at mm-hmm. once that it was like a little sloppy. But the ambition of the every choice mattered. It's like commendable. I love so, that. Yeah, I love that. I liked Heavy Rain back in the day as well. Heavy Rain know? was my if my favorite of his three games. Mm-hmm. Beyond the Souls. I, I'm not a horror person, so it, it was yeah. out. It was out. Yeah, it was, was not a horror game necessarily, mm-hmm. but it was like that game was like the definition of incoherent. Oh, and okay. it was bad because the production value of that one was so much better than Heavy Rain. It had mm-hmm. it had Elliot Page as Ellen when it, she was when he was Ellen Page back then. Willem Dafoe and the thing is like the oh. it was like it had it had great like performances. It had great like actors. They stepped up the production quality, but. They messed up with the story like big time. They never played a such an incoherent game. But the emotional side of that game eventually hits. But uh, I think Detroit is their best game. But from what I understand, Eclipse is going to be an action adventure game. So it's going to be their mm-hmm. uh, genre their, shift. Yeah, their yeah. genre shift like uh, respawn, like respawn and Guerrilla mm-hmm. did. <laughs> so that yeah. apparently is coming in twenty twenty seven because apparently they're having trouble with the game. But again, it's like. This keeps happening. Uh, I will tell you, like, I would love a Mandalorian game. 
like an oh, actual, that'd be fun. Uh, yeah, especially because so much of the Mandalorian feels like a video game. It does. Like it feels like he goes on a side quest and all of that and that. He's got his companion character with him as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're gonna hate me for this, but I see the seats of like a potential life service Mandalorian game also. Yeah. Like with like the art of like the different gear. I know it would have been your thing, but there are many parts, especially in the later season, this the fifth episode when all the Mandalorians come against the pirates and you see all of them fighting together, that I'm like, okay, Ubisoft is doing a I know where the the division team at Ubisoft is, is making a Star Wars game mm-hmm. after they're done with Avatar. Maybe they can do a division style like Star Wars game, like a, like a real shooter, Maybe so. and make it like that. It's like especially if it, because it's Ubisoft, they like their live services. You mm-hmm. might as well do it with something that makes sense. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Because they would make more sense to do a live service like that instead of freaking Suicide Squad, which mm-hmm. flop of the year, twenty twenty four. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I was right there with you when you um, uh-huh. talked about the Ubisoft game. I was just like, for surely they're probably making a bounty hunter game, but like, I can see the Mandalorian thing as well. Yeah, that would could that could be their man that could be their bounty hunter game. Yeah, for <laughs> so, sure. But for yeah, sure. it's like I we, I just want more Star Wars games, especially ones that are good. Mm-hmm. Fallen Order was the flashpoint for us when we actually started getting really good Star Wars games. We you know. We really yeah, we, do. We, we, we need more. That was like, and I'm glad that now we're this is Jedi Survivor is the bittersweet point. Ten years have passed since that EA deal. That's mm-hmm. insane. How long it's been. I understand. And, and how little we got out of that deal. It's ridiculous. It's actually in ten ridiculous. years we got two a, a half baked Star Wars Battlefront game that was pretty to look at but had no content had to be filled up with a fifty dollar season pass. Then mm-hmm. immediately we got a sequel that. Definitely added the content, but then EA got greedy and made it the, the microtransaction fiasco that even had government officials kind of like addressing what? the game. Mm-hmm. No, literally, they had they had people in Congress be like, uh, "We we have to protect the kids from gambling from a Star Wars game." It's like it was like <laughs> that game was like a flashpoint. It was like Battlefront Two was the before and after for loot boxes. Mm-hmm. Like after that happened, many many future shooters moved on from the loot box idea and, and switched to like season passes and all that because that was such a monumental failure in the part uh fallen order was like finally the okay finally a good one then squadrons not a big fan but mm-hmm. people like it yeah so that's two two out of four and we got a can the canceled amy hennig game which then was going to be an open world game done at EA Vancouver that was going to use the assets from that cancel game. And mm-hmm. that got canceled too. And then there was going to be a spin-off for Battlefront done by the Criterion guys, which was the one that people that people that created Burnout that uh, that they were going to be and they were they made the space sections of Battlefront 2. They're going to do a spin-off of Battlefront that got canceled too. So it's like the stewardship of the Star Wars license under EA has just been disastrous. And thank you Respawn for like, making the best out of that out of that like from the gate even as undercooked as it was that they they were able to they did so much with so little and mm-hmm. now respawn is like giving a survivor they're making a shooter they're yeah. actually they're actually making a star wars shooter and there's going to be an rts that's going to be overseen by them so i i only trust in yeah, respawn EA, you trust yeah, basically in, in respawn i trust from like in the ea stable to like for those games to be good from moment one battlefront mm-hmm. 2 got there two years later they removed all the microtransaction like BS that was tied to progression. They added all the, the they fleshed out all the eras. It's like now Battlefront 2 as it is with the Celebration Edition, which is something you can get really cheap. Really great game now. Took two years. Is that? Like, I'm going to say something for, because you have like, you have some games that are, that have been poorly reviewed, but you have really enjoyed, you know, mm-hmm. like 
but and I feel like Bioware had one that I absolutely liked, but it was absolutely drugged through the mud, and you know that was Anthem? Mass Effect. Yeah, no, uh, Mass Effect Andro- Andromeda. Andromeda. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I waited for I waited to play that game after it got patched, like mm-hmm. almost a year. I enjoyed it after mm-hmm. everything was fixed, but the videos are there. Like yeah, Androm- are. Andromeda was like. It was a mess. An, an embarrassment. Yeah, it's like, but, it but then like Anthem was like, that one got deservedly dragged through the mud. That mm-hmm. one, Anthem was an even bigger disaster than Andromeda. I almost miss, I almost miss the, um, the bioawareness of everything like that. So I'm, I'm actually pretty much looking forward to any Mass Effect or, or Dragon Age. Um, yeah. What is I'm, it, Dreadwolf? Yeah, Dreadwolf. I'm excited mm-hmm. for Dreadwolf because I know that game has gone through so many different permutations already mm-hmm. because... At all, at a point, it was going to be live service, and Ugh. then the live service bo- a, a bubble popped, mm-hmm. and then EA allowed them to like take that out and remake the game into like an honest RPG. And the reason why Bioware needs has been taking so long for that, other than obviously being clearly mismanaged, is that they need to get it right. They really Bioware, do. Bioware hasn't had a win since Dragon Age Inquisition, a game which Game of the Year winner back in 2014, but. One that a lot of people like caveating. I was like, yeah, it won Game of the Year that year because there was nothing. Of course, it was going to be Game of the Year. And uh, a lot of people had turned against that game. Yeah. Like, I, no, it, it was my Game of the Year as well. Yeah. I loved it. but Mine, mine was Destiny that year. <laughs> so, <laughs> fo- fo- followed by Middle Earth, <laughs> Shadow yeah. of Mortar. But I, I knew that it was beloved back then. Mm-hmm. I know it's, it's just been funny that it, it's been uh, the hindsight of that game has not been really good. And I think... It's looked at worse because Andromeda and Anthem were such trash fires at yeah. launch. And Anthem never got there. That's a, that, that's the worst part. Like Anthem really left that studio in shambles because yeah. it was the main team. Andromeda was the C team. Mm-hmm. That was, that, that's what was funny because people were like, oh, that makes sense. It's like the main Bioware team that gave us a trilogy, they didn't work on that. Of course, that didn't turn out great, but Anthem will be great. Look how great that first look was. And then it's like, no. No, no that is not no. the king that was promised. No, that was such a that was important to me that i was like if you're doing a destiny competitor if you didn't come out before 2017 you're done yeah you're not doing it yeah just you're not doing do it. it it's just not happening like how many dead bodies are we seeing like in the live service bubble anyway and tons at this point tons they're just yeah. littered littering the streets right now yeah and one body decided to like wait to drop the body until next year but we mm-hmm. know that things are just not going to be good oh for so. sure not for <laughs> sure not freaking suicide squad but um Alejandro, before we go, we 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 here at the single player experience like to give people video game recommendations. What re- video game recommendation are you gonna give to everyone today? Yeah, I would say right now, currently, Resident Evil 4 remake is my game of the year as okay. so far of what we've gotten. Is like the remakes have all been great. Capcom had something really special with this one. If you haven't played Resident Evil 4 re- uh, remake, I highly recommend you do that. It's like it was a game that. It's a game that will like you will suck your life. Like it's it's just so, <laughs> so it's such an addictive game to play. And yes, it can be horror, but it's not horror. Like if you if you're if you don't think you can handle survivor horror, it's like the Resident Evil 4 remake is more tense than horror. Is okay. it is, and it's campy. It, it's it's campy. It it it, it it has a level of campiness to it that can supplant like any like jump scares or things like that. It's like an excellent game, like an excellent reimagining of one of the greatest games of all time, and that's still that's still like my front runner. It's like I'm judging many games that are coming out this year against that. Before that was the Death Space remake. Horror fans are eating good this year. 
Okay, okay. So, so, so I'll tell you what. Between you and a couple of other people, y'all have convinced me. I, for the first time ever, I'm going to play Resident Evil 4 Remake. Do it. I'm going to give this a try. Do it in easy. Try to do it in easy. Do it in easy. Don't feel bad. Like, try give, give that, get it, get the lay of the land. <laughs> okay. Easy. Give, give it a shot. Okay, I'll let you know what I think. I'll stick to my word. I will play this game, and I will let you know what I think. Yeah, you like The Last of Us? You will like Love this the Last one. Of Us. It's like okay. Resident Evil Four came was the like Last of Us was born out of Resident Evil Four. Like okay. a lot of inspirations that like, came from that original two thousand five one. So All definitely right. do that one. Okay, okay, you won me over. You won me over, no. Alejandro. Before we go though, where can the good people find you? They can find me on Twitter at a underscore drosegovia and Instagram at. Alejandro Segovia 93 and my current written content over at seasongaming.com where I will be reviewing Jedi Survivor in the, in, the, in the coming weeks. I haven't reviewed anything since uh, Destiny 2 Lifehold was my last review for them. So it's been a, I've had it, I've been chilling for a little bit, just enjoying stuff while uh, other people review <laughs> stuff. But You've been playing all the Star Wars games ever since then, basically. Yeah, they've just been like, they've just been indulging. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like the, that. All right, so Alejandro, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. You all, you know, you're always welcome. But thank you so much for making the time to be on the show. And you know, you always come with that encyclopedic like knowledge, and I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, anytime, like, and you're also welcome to join us anytime over on our side. Oh, for sure. You know I will. You know I will. Before we go, though, Alejandro, I, once again, I want to thank you. I want to say to the lovely people, go check out the X-Button podcast. These are two lovely gents who are making extremely good content. It's an extremely fun podcast. And these guys have really good chemistry. Go check them out. You can basically find that podcast every single Friday. Every mm -hmm. single pr Friday. Because... They record on Thursdays, so you know it's dropping every Friday. It has the hottest news that you need to know about in video games. So yeah. feel like everything video... you need to know, everything you need to know about a certain week. Yeah, like, for sure. You can get it your Fridays. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So go check them out. As always, I've been Sebastian. This has been Alejandro. This has been the Single Player Experience Podcast, and we're out. Peace, everyone. Peace out. So that's a wrap for today's episode. I want to give a special shout out to Alejandro Segovia for being on the show today. I also want to let you know about the Single Player Experience Discord server. It's the perfect place for single player gamers to talk about the good single player games they've been playing lately and to get video game recommendations. Think of it kind of like a book club for single player gamers. The link to join will be in the description. Once you're in, feel free to share your video game backlog list, talk about the good games you've been playing, or give your feedback on the show. If you have a game that you think should be recommended or that you think I should talk about, let me know in the Single Player Experience Discord server. I'll see you there. Before we go, I just want to thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Stay safe, stay gaming, and I hope to catch you in the next one. Peace!